0: Do you want to start a business, get out of the office, achieve happiness and success while crushing life? This is Boss to Boss, the place to be for that extra motivation to get up and follow your dreams while learning from the ones who have already done it. And now for your host, Miro Wieslow. Welcome to Boss to Boss. Today's guest is the founder of Chief Maker and an executive coach who specializes in accelerating the careers of senior managers into C suite roles. He is the author of Chief Maker, How to Rise Above the Pack and Get a Seat on the Executive Team, and host of the Inner Chief podcast. Currently in a totally opposite time zone of me, he's in the morning, I'm in the afternoon, Greg Layton. How are you
1: doing today? It's a pleasure to have you on, sir. Uh g'day mate. It's an absolute pleasure to be here and uh mate, I'm looking forward to this chat because this is a this is a point that I'm really passionate about. This this transition that so many people want to take. It's fraught with danger, um but it can be the most rewarding thing you'll ever do if you get it right. So, I'm looking yes. forward to this.
0: Yes, yes as well. And for everybody tuning in, everybody trying to follow along, whether you are watching um, on YouTube, on Facebook, and you already see the face, but if you if you're actually listening to the podcast and you don't see the face and you want to check out who great Greg Layton, the Chief Maker himself is, make sure to hop on to Instagram at the or you can go on LinkedIn, uh, and that's just search Greg Layton Chief Maker. He'll pop up. You'll find him. Uh, he's got Facebook as well, Twitter, I believe. And and yeah. last but not least, we got this awesome copy that we're going to reference throughout this um Greg Layton, the chief uh, chief maker book which I received in the mail which uh I want to personally thank you here on on the show that's so amazing right. you know, I'll take a
1: quick selfie mate so we can be on uh, Instagram later today
0: Yes yes you know what actually uh, I I just got back from Hawaii so they this was the hang loose thing they always they were all doing over oh, right yeah. there So nice. <laughs> we're hanging loose today um Nice so the the chief chief maker, you know that's not a that's a word we don't use as much probably, um, around here in uh, in the US. So can you kind of explain yeah. explain that part to us what what it means to be a chief maker? Sure.
1: Well, um, it really comes back to becoming a C level executive or being a, a chief, right? A chief executive officer of of the business you work for, but but really um, what we do is we help people step into those roles and rise up from management through middle management and into their very first C-level role. But at a more philosophical level, um, this is about becoming the chief of your career and your life. So sure, positional hierarchy or the job you've got at work is great, but until you are actually the chief and the the chief decision maker and chief executor of your own career plan and your own life vision, then you're really going to battle, right? So chief maker is about first and foremost becoming the chief of your career and life and then what will happen as a battle and on the back of that is mm-hmm. you'll get the role you want or the company you want to build or whatever it is you you're setting out to achieve.
0: And your your background it's not very you know not very traditional. You definitely could uh, you definitely could say you've you've done it all or or close to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just reading through a few things. Um, and I was already mind blown. Do you want to kind of share with the audience that don't know as much about you? Like where, how did you become a chief yourself? Like what did you do earlier in your life? Because it's, uh, yeah. it's pretty
1: wild. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I, you know, my mid twenties, I started to become dissatisfied. I spent years and years, like, you know, six or seven years traveling the world. Um, us Aussies, we love to put on a backpack and just explore the world on a on a dime. And we, we did that. I did that for about five years and traveled to... Five or six continents and I don't know how many countries, maybe 70 countries. But um, when I came back to the corporate world, I was fairly dissatisfied. Um, I was in a government role that just lacked any energy or any spirit. They All they wanted to do was crush your soul, you know, stay down there and do your job. And um, I, I don't know, I was aspirational it was probably the wrong environment for me. Um, so I just set about reading self-help books, mate, everything, you know, the old Tony Robbins books to mm-hmm. nutrition, to sports excellence. And uh, I decided if I was going to really have a crack at something, I, because my career was sort of stalled, I would, you know, try and away from work, really lift my game as much as possible. Uh, so I started, you know, training for things like ultra marathons. I did these uh, ultra marathons across the Gobi Desert. I went and lived with the Shaolin monks in China, the, the Kung Fu monks. I went in a in very remote part of china i lived in a, in a monastery there and trained for three months um learning kung fu like 12 hours a day wow. um so i just spent this period of um really about four to five years totally re-educating myself um I, no, and then then testing it because i sort of felt like if i was going to be in front of um other people if i i didn't have, actually to be honest i didn't know i was going to be a coach then i sort of felt like if i was going to lead people was probably the right way to describe it i needed to have experience something and push myself to a new place that maybe they hadn't, right? I had had some something to back me up. You know, mm-hmm. I'd been there and done something, if not hadn't been lead a big company yet. So that's how I got started. I tested things like crazy and and you know, you learn things um in the desert after running across it for four days. you Yeah, you learn things, you know, when you're being kicked in the head um by a Kung fu Master. <laughs> you know, there's uh I think that was just so formative for me to do all mm-hmm. that. So
0: did you even like no at that point. So first you did the whole travel thing, right? Then you went ahead, tried going back to work, then you yeah. ventured out again, it seems like, right? And yeah. then at that point, yeah. did you still know like you were gonna lead? Did you know what you were gonna do
1: next? Or did it still take more yeah, trial and error? I did but what I what I what I've always done is as as a little rule, I said if you're gonna learn something, go and learn from the originator, from the masters, right? So what I did was well I said I want to learn kung fu, so I went and learned I went into China, to the source, and I lived and trained with a Shaolin. A few years later, I was reading Tony Robbins' book, and I went, you know, Unleash a Giant Within and Unlimited Power, those early books. They were, they were really early books for me. And I, but when I read it, I thought, you know, T- Tony seems like a, an incredible human being, but who the hell taught Tony? Right. Right? And what, what does he know? And so I, I started researching who was behind Tony. I found um, the guys, like the original founders of uh, NLP, like Richard Bandler and John Grinder, um, and I, I, I tracked them down. Did some research on them and found you could you could still train with John Grinder. Um, so I and then I, well, I did some initial research into NLP. This was the first thing yeah. I ever really you know reeducated myself in. Yeah. Um, I studied his books. I went and did the most comprehensive course you can do in the world, um, uh, and then on the back of that, I got to learn and train with um, John Grinder. And then um, he was nice enough to mentor me from afar for, for several years. So um, what what I got then at that point was a skill set that said, well, you can coach now because after I think I, you know, 60, 70 days of classroom time, most people do NLP in three to five days. You just, to be honest, you, you're skimming the surface, can, right? For, the, for everybody listening, can
0: you uh, explain what that means?
1: Yes, yeah, it's yeah. neuro-linguistic programming, um, and neuro-linguistic programming is, a, for want of a better term, it's a science of high performance in the way we think mm-hmm. and the way we act. It's got everything to do with the internal language that we have in our heads, um, the patterns of behavior that we use every day to drive high performance. Um, there's, and It's an enormous field. Just search um, NLP online, and, and you'll see all sorts of um, information out there about that, and there's courses you can do all over the world, it's mm-hmm. it's a huge for you. But it is at the very base behind Tony Robbins, it's one of his core skills, right? He learned from John Grinder, and I learned from John Grinder, right, and that, that was really important to me. But it wasn't until I I really learned that that I thought, well, you know, maybe I could be a coach. And um, I, I had a real passion for rugby union, and so I was doing some work in rugby union, and that got me a job as a performance coach. And then I um, decided I'd just go out there and see if I could do some performance coaching in the corporate world. I didn't really label myself an executive coach because I didn't feel like I was quite there yet, but I did nail um, a a client quite quickly. This time I was in Hong Kong, living in Hong Kong, and um, a good friend of mine uh, opened a door for me to meet the CEO of this um, investment firm, a multi 1000000000 dollar investment firm. And um, I met this guy, and he said, right, coach me then. on the spot in a cafe let's go so uh, i said okay let's go and i just asked him what what the problem was and what was his outcome and we went through this process and um the outcome in the end was that he really got a lot of value out of it because we actually dealt a lot with his imposter syndrome um and his own inner beliefs and the way he was talking to himself which he felt like was impacting his work every single day yes we were able to do do some really nice work to um clear that up i suppose and and make him act with just more flow every day and not second-guessing himself. And as a result, like, he, he bought. Um, he came in the, the next time I saw him. He, he said, I want to buy 10 sessions off you. How much? And I said, oh, man, I, I don't know. I, oh, <laughs> I've never had any clients before. That's the best. <laughs> what, what a real entrepreneur I was, eh? <laughs> and he said, uh, okay, um, I want to buy 10 sessions. And he handed $2,000 cash to me straight over the table. and said, is that all right? <laughs> and I went, absolutely, that's all right and uh so that's how i got started and uh, that's amazing yeah
0: so tell me did you have a family at this point or were you kind of no no no
1: this was before family yeah yeah i was uh, i I suppose that was one of the benefits is i could risk it all Mm -hmm. and go for it and i did you know and in the early days of coaching this is when i was a sole trader all on my own and um i didn't really have a brand or anything i was just myself and and it was a struggle because the the ups and the downs of running your own small business, are, yep. like I don't tell you the things you don't need to know. And I think everybody needs to know something a little bit different to everybody else. And um, what I didn't know anything about was professional services, marketing and sales. Um, and that took me probably too long to work out. Mm-hmm.
0: What do you What do you wish you knew? Was there something like you stepped upon and you're like, wow, this would have just cut like my, my struggle by like a year or two or probably would have saved me five years in my life?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, it, it's funny. I, I do wish I knew it, but uh, as a result of me not knowing, it, I got um, – because oh, I didn't have a lot of clients, what would happen is i get one or two clients that would really – Engaged me for a long period of time, and I had, had one particular client that, which was a big mining company in Africa, and they they bought me for like 180 days of a year, and I'd fly in and out of Africa, and I'd coach here, and I'd spend you know 100 days a year in Africa, in the depths of uh, nowhere in these mining sites all, really? all over through the middle part of Africa, yeah. And the the result was though I I had I got very close to all the executive team, and I got to really learn how publicly listed. Um, mining company worked from an executive perspective. So for for years there, I had um, this inner circle behind closed doors—the real pains and troubles of of sea of level um, executives at running multi-billion dollar companies. And it was different walking around with them than just being in a coaching room where you're sort of sitting opposite, helping them grow. I could see what was happening every day. I could see the way people responded to them. I could see. Their challenges and their frustrations. And that really helped me make my coaching a lot, lot sharper. So when I came back years later, well, a couple of years later to build my business, um, this is where I learned the thing that I wish I had known earlier. Mm-hmm. I now had this big wealth of experience, so like, you know, more experience than most coaches probably will ever get. But the one thing I probably didn't know was marketing and sales. And, and that would be the number one thing I would say to people is, if they're like, look, I don't know if you can see behind me on my shelf. Oh yeah, these are all books I've been reading lately on marketing and sales. Wow, that's right. So all, I had to totally all marketing and sales. Every one of those. That's that's just that topic, right? But then, wow. that's not everything I've got, right? That's mm-hmm. just that's just the last sort of six months, mm-hmm. right? And these guys are from you know, some of the digital marketing gurus. Some of the you know you know everyone from Robert Cialdini around influence and persuasion. Um, to you know, Dan Kennedy and persuasion engineering and all this stuff. These these are books that if you're going to be in marketing, if you're going to be in a small business, your oxygen, right, your oxygen tank is marketing and sales. Marketing drives the leads, sales is how you close. And if you don't know how to get inside the head of your customer, if you don't know how to, you know, work out what your niche is, the problem set, the fears of the people you work for, how to solve a problem with either your product or your service, then Really, you'll never know, right? You're, and you'll never – I don't think you'll ever feel the oxygen tank. This is just so vital. Yep. And it helps you, I think. And now that as soon as we did that, and I did it really well, I think our business has changed, right? Was
0: there like that <clears> – <throat> was that a turning point when you kind of just like yep. it all started clicking and it's like,
1: oh, Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. Absolutely. So my, my wife's in marketing too, and that, that's that mm-hmm. been a real blessing. Um so one of the things we did is when we decided to start Chief Maker, which was about two years ago. So I'd been through, I, had, I worked on my own, then I didn't went to partnership with another guy for a while, then we closed that down, and I said, right, I want to do executive coaching different to everybody else. Um, there is a group of people who are really in the middle layers of organisations globally that are just getting crushed. You know, it's the politics, the silos, the turf wars. Um, their boss doesn't recognise them or reward them for what they do. They're, they're stalled in their career growth. You, you know, it's just a heart, like soul, destroying life at times. It can be good, and you go through these ups and downs. And eventually, what mo- happens to almost everyone is you get what you call what I call the valley of death. That is, your career stalls, and you never ever go past that again. And there's a very clear reason for it, but they don't know. They don't know why they are stalled. I'll come back to that in a minute. But what we did is when we decided. That we wanted to build executive coaching business, we've I've got a room just next to this one in our mm-hmm. in our in our house. It's a massive wall. We took all the artwork off the wall and we just put every landing page or every homepage of executive coaches, the best ones in the world, the best ones in Australia, and we said, "What's going on with these people? What what are the norms? What who's differentiated? Who's niched? What what is their pitch?" And what we discovered might want to do the market research is that the the average there's more coaches per capita in the world in Australia than anywhere really? right It's the most competitive landscape for coaching in the world it's a very it's quite a well defined field here right but the average coach only earns seventy thousand dollars a year right which means they're earning a fraction of the people there for coaching <laughs> which yeah. doesn't make any yeah. sense. But they're undifferentiated. Their pitch was all the pictures and images of people standing on top of mountain tops with their arms up, going unleash, you know, your dreams, and you can have anything. yes, and, oh, yes. yes. <laughs> and your fist pumping, going, you have no idea what you're doing, whatever coach you are, right? So we sat back and went, what's really going on here is they're not listening to their customer. They're not talking the language of their customer. Very few of them are solving the problems of their customer, right? So we said. What's our niche? And I went back to that middle layer. No one in the executive coaching world was really focusing on scaling executive coaching for the middle levels of business. Because my clients like are normally the top guys in the like top guys in an organization. Mm-hmm. And we cost over a thousand dollars an hour. So I don't know anyone that's going to pay me that if they're a manager. Right? That's just not going to happen. On, a thousand right? an hour? Yeah. So if we if we are, if you're in the middle layers of an organization, number one, the company doesn't have the money to pay you or or to invest in you. They don't have that much you know, learning and development budget. Right. But the if you're further up in the organization at a C level or general manager, VP type level, maybe they do. Maybe they will say to you, well, we'll give you 12 sessions a year or something. So how are you going to control your future? How are you going to know what the right thing to do is? Because as you go through up through the hierarchy of business, it gets so much more complex. People vastly underestimate the new levels of skills they need to have to operate at the next level of management. So what they do is they fall back to their technical expertise, and that just annoys their people. Because now their people want to do the technical work. Mm-hmm. So they frustrate their people because they micromanage, or they fly off into the, you know, get too, and macromanage, right? They disappear, and people are like, where's my boss? They're never around, they never give me any feedback, I don't know what's going on, right? And so what what we do is we specialize in that because we also know that when big companies lead transformations, Mm -hmm. the transformation pauses at the middle layers. That's where it stops. Executive team get it. The top levels get it. As soon as they try and roll it out in their business, what happens? You're you're giving Uh, me like
0: flashbacks, man. You're giving me flashbacks (laughs) to like five years ago. I'm over here like, ah, man, this is where the disconnect was. It was there.
1: Exactly. (laughs) This is exactly right. So the leaders that were leading you, if you were going through transformation, didn't know how to do it. Mm. Right? And who teach it? Like if you go to an MBA school, they don't teach you how to do this. They don't teach you. So what we teach is the things that don't teach you in business school, about how to na- navigate relationships, people, culture, but then how to actually do a transformation of a small team. right? How do you lead and create a high-performance team of the people around you? And for any of your listeners that, listeners that are, I suppose, maybe running a business that's now got a few employees, then this would be the kind of thing that maybe they need to learn as well because they probably don't understand it yet. Might be damn good at what they do technically, but if they don't understand the the levers to high performance, then they're gonna battle.
0: I agree. I fully agree. And for everybody listening, uh, make sure uh, so you could also follow along with not just the audio version if you're listening to the podcast. It's at the Chief Maker on Instagram or Greg Layton L A Y. T O N on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh pretty much you could search him anywhere, and his podcast, The Inner Chief, as well. Be sure to check that out. As well as his website, chiefmaker.com.au. And uh mm. yeah, this is some uh this is some great content. Um you're really you're really making me think here because it's like that there is that disconnect. But now how do you get one of these companies, one of these big companies, for example, like I was in public accounting, for example, uh sure. back in the yeah. day. How do you get yeah. them to even invest in something like this? Because I could always see, you know, these companies are cutting costs left and right, left and right. So yeah. what are, what are you doing to convince
1: them? Um, you know, how well, are you even- well, this is marketing this is marketing one oh one, right? Like yeah. you've got to know the pain points of your customer, right? And so we we would then say to the the CEO that first of all, you're not negotiating with a company, you're negotiating with an individual. What does a CEO fear more than anything? Pressure. Failure, or yeah, right? you don't want to be because they're in the most senior position of an organisation ever. It's public, right? It'll be in the newspapers if they fail. So if you look at um, the global um, trends of what CEOs fear the most, the two mm-hmm. most important things at the moment are technology, which means they've got to move and transform fast, and the next generation of employees, the millennials, or even below the millennials, how they're going to employ them and grow them because now they've got a different mindset, like every new generation has a new mindset. Like, like these poor buggers are already different, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, we just got to make them feel valued and recognized and give them opportunity. The right? general rule of thumb for all leadership, right? Um, so what, what we do is we go into the minds of our buyer mm-hmm. and we don't just ask what they do and what decisions they make, we ask why do they make those decisions? We're not looking to work for a company that has no money, right. (laughs) You know, what we want is a company that is going through transformation. So this is our target market. So this is what's important is when you go for your niche and our niche is um, mid to large cap organizations that are going through transformation. So new technology rollouts, um, culture turnarounds, entering new markets, merger acquisition, right? And we help them navigate that transformation because if they get it wrong, now there's massive amounts of profit, huge amounts of rework, lots of stress, toxic culture. It's a horrible place to be. And over the two to five years they're going to be running a transformation because that's a reasonable time to run. What we want to do is help them form a really solid guiding coalition internally so they can navigate all the change, right? And there's going to be winds, there's going to be waves, there's going to be this all these currents pushing in the wrong direction. But it's when you can steady the ship and stay really true. And have a, co- a really good quality team to lead through. That's the teams that now are transformation, and that's how we help organisations do that. And we've got our frameworks and our IP mm-hmm. and our process to accelerate through that. But that, that's the kind of that's the kind of work we do with the organisational level. Yeah. And then the other part that we we really have been trying to enter is helping individuals. So we're trying to scale executive coaching, and um, later this year we're launching the Chief Maker Academy which is where an individual can come on and get all the coaching we do at a fraction of the price. right? So instead of paying us $1,000 an hour, they'll pay us more like $500, but they'll get 15 sessions. Mm-hmm. And that's more scalable. It's online, but that's way more scalable, and it means people can take control exactly. of their career. exactly. And that's, that could be found on your website, right? Uh, it's launching in about uh, – it'll be launching around about May uh, this year, May twenty nine.
0: Okay. So I know you're offering uh, like a seven-day uh, – Seven hour. Sorry, I can't remember the name right now. Seven
1: ways to save an hour a day. Seven
0: ways, yeah, seven ways to save an hour a day, and that's like a free yeah, executive a masterclass, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, people can do that online. Um, yeah, the book is there as well, and and the um, where in about a week's time, where we have a cheap, we have a thing called a career school card. So you know, there's there's a key point here is, and and this is what's so important about your listener base is they're probably sitting there going. Do I move or do I not? Right. And and it's a it could be a big risk, right? So if they're young when I moved, it's probably less risky. But if you've got a family, it's way more risky, right?
0: You you just you know, you, you can, you beat me to it. I was gonna ask you, like, now what do we do? What what does what does someone like yeah. me four years ago sitting in a cubicle almost five years, yeah. you know, trying to figure out Yeah, not, two years ago?
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, if you're sitting in a cubicle and you're sitting there looking over the top of the cubicle and there's your boss in the corner and you're gone what an asshole, like I'm so sick of this, I've got to get out. You've got to just realize for a minute that it's a very, very risky move and that might be a knee-jerk reaction. I believe that if you want to go and start your own business and be successful, it can be the best thing you ever do. It can also be the craziest thing you ever do and it might cost you a lot more heartache. Right. Step one for me is becoming an entrepreneur, right? And what that means is, and was what we teach executives, become a professional services firm of one. The thing about a full-time wage is it makes you horribly complacent. When you've got to go and earn, a, earn, a, earn your bickies every single week because you're delivering quality content to a customer that can, that can remove you without notice, then you've got to raise your game. What I want you to start doing is treat your boss as your number one customer, right? Serve them. Blow their minds away. Start owning your time. Start, if you're just getting owned at work or you're not dominating, then that's a mindset issue. Mm-hmm. Start turning up, stop floating, and stop thinking well, the grass is greener, we'll be somewhere else because the grass is always greener where you water it. you know. And you've got to absolutely dominate in the corporate sector. When you start doing that mm-hmm. and you start learning quickly and adding skill and, and executing change in your business, then I think you can say to yourself, now that I've made things better, do I still want to go out? Exactly. Because the core decision is if you want to go out, who is your customer and what is the core problem you, you are going to solve? And if you can't solve that, if you can't really clearly state that with clarity and with purpose and with conviction, then who would ever buy your product or your service? <laughs> the grass is always
0: greener where you water it. I uh Yeah, I love that's
1: that. that's Carol. Mitch Matthews, I think he got it from someone. Mitch Matthews runs a podcast called The Dream Thing Too, top guy. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah that
0: really, that's yeah, mm-hmm. that's not that's a good way to look at it because most people will tell you, yeah. you know, just go, go for it, go for it, make it happen, make it yeah. happen. But Who's to say it's not right there in front of you too? You're just not looking at it from the right right angle, right? Right perspective.
1: Yeah, that's right. And so, sometimes that means a bit of a change sideways or up or into a different company. And if your boss truly has no values and, 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 and is blocking everything, then find a way to go around them or just leave You know, and, and start again somewhere else. Um, I, I think it's really handy if you can to get in a situation where you can go and, and sort of have a bit of a side hustle, yeah. test something out. Um, test your ideas. What I did in the early days, I did some coaching, then my cash flow dried up. I went back did some contracting and project management in the corporate sector for a while. Then I got more business and I, I was able to wind down the coaching. So, wind down the project management. So, I did some things like that to keep the cash flow coming. But, um, you know, there's nothing better than when cash flow is good. Like you feel like you can fly, but when it's bad and it's gone, oh man, it's a horrible, horrible place yes. to be. Yes, it is.
0: Yes, it is. And how did, is that how you kind of did it at first while you were working? You still yep. did a few things on the side, yep. right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I worked three days a week, um, project management. While I started doing performance co- performance coaching. Awesome. So awesome. I, had, I had a nice base cash flow, um, and I for two years.
0: Okay, so it took you didn't just jump ship. It took you a while. You wanted to make sure you kind of you had well, things right.
1: Yeah, yeah, and particularly yeah. in executive coaching world or performance coaching. When if you don't have a network to begin with of um, HR leaders or of executives, you're not going to sell anything, right?
0: No. So yeah, took why, me a, why, took me why would I go to you over yeah, you know, exactly. anybody else? It makes total yep. sense.
1: And just refine your message and your pitch and all that. So I mean, I just spent a lot of time I did a lot of coaching for free with friends and colleagues, and um, I just practiced like crazy. And and then when we transitioned, it was it was better. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Well, that's a, that's a great way. I'm sure the <laughs> listeners will find that. Very useful when they uh, take a look now. If like this is the thing, do I do it? Do I not? This is yeah. a total different perspective. Uh, glad you could share that. Well, uh, Greg, it's uh, been a pleasure. And uh, now we uh, we kind of ending the first segment of the show, but that means things are only getting juicier as we are moving on Ooh, to yeah. the to the listeners' favorite segment of the show. Welcome to the round with no name because they're all taken. but this, if after this section, you know you're not like really up and going. Then I don't know what will get you going because we got some uh, we're going to throw some curveballs balls at you. So I hope you're ready. OK. All right. my, my producer is always lurking in the background. So we want to make sure we keep each answer right away within five seconds. Just throw something. Within out. Five seconds. Okay. Just throw it out. Don't think about it for too long. We want we want to know what your instinct tells you.
1: OK, good. All go. right. Ready. Here we go. What is your favorite book? a business or novel or ID. um right now i just read a book called be like amazon um it's uh I feel like I heard written that. by a guy hmm?
0: i feel like i heard of that We got the favorite book what is your favorite movie um Braveheart. Brave, oh that's a classic classic i, I think yeah. it's a, i think it's a of boss class. two boss exclusive Uh, no one has said that one yet. So that's, uh, you got got a point for that one. Something original. If you're stranded on an Island for the unforeseeable future, you could only have one item with you, not a person.
1: What is the one item? Cotton of beer, slab of beer, (laughs) case of beer. What what do you call it in the States?
0: You would probably need like a big old, like talk, like a, I don't know, like a huge, I don't know. like a lifetime keg, because I mean you're going to be there for a while.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> well, it's, I mean it was either that or a fishing rod, because fishing rod will, might make fishing a lot easier. But uh, you know, I figure I might be able to rig one of those up. But I, I can't imagine I'm going to have all the ingredients for beer. And I'm going to, if you're going to go That's out fun. on an island, mate, you might as well have a beer watch the final sunset.
0: That is good. That is good. You got the fish, you got the beer, and uh, you got the sunset. I mean, you'd be pretty set. Yep. I can't, I can't see you getting bored anytime, anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about entrepreneurism is it a fad
1: no i don't think it's a fad um i am very tired of it being glamorized um of the thing that everybody should do um i, I love what you're doing because i think you're making the pathway more clear for people do risking it um i Think as time goes on. I'm seeing this in the large organisations that I coach. Like I coach one of Australia's biggest companies here. In fact, it is the biggest company, and they're um like they're carving their workforce. Like just pl- It's just ten thousand people uh, this year and next year gone. Right? Oh wow! So what's happening is a lot of the big companies are going this more of an outsource type model. They're de-risking a lot of professionals are having to shift because their role is being replaced by AI or robots or just technology in general. And as a result, there's a lot of smaller or mid-cap kind of businesses. So as a, and what I'm seeing, and this is a bit of a change, is a more of a disseminated business model um, within the corporate sector, which means there's a lot more opportunity. Um, and if people can really um, nail the product or the service that they're offering, um, then I, I can see it being a wonderful future. And the amount of help out there now for small business owners is just magic. You really, you really shouldn't. Like if you're opening your eyes and listening and being inquisitive it's it's a wonderful future but uh, i just wish it wouldn't be glamorized so much yeah uh, there's
0: definitely a lot of mixed feelings about that that's for sure yeah. that could be a whole episode in itself oh um, man yeah. yeah getting me on my high horse yeah, yeah. <laughs> who has been it's or like is the
1: CEO's glamorous yeah like it's yeah. it is for yeah it's like being an athlete's glamorous yeah but for the game time right for the for the hour that you're on the field or on the right, court, right, right, the rest right. of the time is hard work and training and suck factor. And that's exactly the same with entrepreneurialism. It's exactly the same with most jobs. So- that's a good way. That's a
0: really good way to look at it, yeah, an athlete, I guess, compared to an uh, entrepreneur. Yeah. Very uh, very good way. Um, how, who, is, who is or has been your uh, – who is your greatest mentor?
1: When well, I lived in Canada for, for a while and I went through a really dark patch there and I had a guy who was my boss at the time, a guy called Chad. And uh, Chad was like he had, had been through this incredible change throughout his life. He, you know, had essentially re-architected himself after some major heartbreak and a whole bunch of things that went wrong. And um, just his depth of wisdom and his um, how close he listens to what I was going through, and how much he raised the bar on me, and he he called my bullshit a few times and said, "No, that's, that's not being the best you. That's not good. You can't. No, you're you're being, you're taking the easy road. Stop taking mm-hmm. the easy road. Lift your game. You know, read some books. Look harder." Like that. That he was great. Like that. Um, he's still a dear friend to this day, and um, uh, yeah, he'd be my number one mentor how did you squeeze time into all this like how did you
0: (laughs) honestly no it's not even a question but i'm just like over here like you are here 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 here, and somehow you are you know expecting a third child right
1: you have a job and
0: and and here you are with this business now it's like wow you're you're really using your time wisely so if there's a reason to uh use you as a coach like there it is right there like how do i make all this happen and you uh, yeah
1: you know yeah. you, you can't well, be... you got you have to be the master of your own time you know yeah. and look at the you know was it th- the average person scrolls through 300 feet of social media per day and the average person is it i don't know like 15 16 hours of, of tv a week yeah
0: well, that right? was in your just your previous podcast episode right i think uh yeah uh, yeah sh- yeah your last guest mentioned
1: it was last week it was last week and just amazing but if you add that to how much netflix or or stan you watch uh I'm guessing there's, you know, 10, 12 hours a week you could have back to That's work crazy. on your business or work yourself or read a few books. Or, um, so I take it you don't do too much
0: Netflixing, right?
1: No, not really. Um, I, I, I watch two things on television. I like I love my rugby union, I watch rugby union and uh, maybe one or two TV shows. Like, So I'll probably watch, I don't know. Three to four hours a week, and one of the two Com- hours is a football game every week. Yeah. <laughs> compared to the average
0: twelve hours or whatever, or even more. Yeah, I mean in America, yeah. it's probably and even some, more.
1: Some <laughs> yes. We we have moved our TV the main part of our house. It's mm-hmm. um, in the boys' playroom. You know, in our we've got twin boys, so try watching TV with them in the room. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. I mean, yeah. Sometimes as much as you do, yeah, you you need those couple hours, right? Just to, like you know. Here and there, once in a while, you need something to unwind. Absolutely, or not. Yeah, big. Yeah. Otherwise, it's you'd
1: be crazy. Time. Like, there's a model I teach: called prepare, perform, recover, review. Right? You prepare for something, you perform it, then you have proper recovery, then you review the and you prepare again. Right? And then in the business world, we're terrible at recovery, and we're even worse at review. Right? And you need to do both. So, I mean, I don't work all the time. Like I, I work probably ten hours a day. That would be it normally, mm-hmm. um, because my work's got to be. It requires a lot of brain power when I'm doing it. I've got to be really focused. So there's no point trying to do that 12 hours a day. You just kill yourself, no. right? Oh, yeah. I've got a young family I want to spend time with. I didn't do this business so I could ignore my family. Um, so, yeah, we. I, I have good recovery. I, I'm generally fresh most of the time. Um, probably the hardest thing, I travel a lot. Uh, we do. I do travel a fair bit, and that, that's hard to recover from sometimes. Yeah. Um, do you, how do you, what do you mean by
0: that? Like just the uh, the time change or, yeah, so yeah, just the interna- generally it's international
1: travel and and there's just something about going on a plane uh, that after you've been on a plane for four or five hours you're just worn out. You know, travel just wears you out. The body does um, wh- while you're in the air. The body does um, what's, like swell up, I suppose, for one of a better term, uh, and and it takes a while for the body to recover from that. And that around because in Australia if we want to go internationally we got to we got to travel. Yeah, I I mean, your 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 travels are what 10,
0: 15 hours and up every time, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, I think you can now go direct to Dallas from where I live, and it's about nineteen hour plane. Right? About how long? Right, it's just nineteen hours, yep. nearly twenty hours. Yeah. And the the um the the thing is, um, I'm just trying to remember the rule. Every hour of time zone change, right, can take you a day to recover afterwards. Wow. So if I were to go 10-hour time zones, so if I go all the way to London, it's 10 hours. Mm-hmm. When I, it takes me 10 days to recover when I get there fully and 10 days when I come back. Now, I tracked this with a sleep monitor, right, and I found out that in the – I used to go and work in Africa when I came back. It was seven hours time difference. For the, for the week after, this was correct. I would have at least on average a half hour to 45 minutes of extra per night every night for that week, and then I would revert back to normal. So you got
0: extra – you try to add in that extra sleep every night? My body needed it. My mm-hmm. body
1: needed it. Not that I, I had it. I, I just – my body required more sleep after that week, for that
0: whole week. And do you normally – you said does, your body swells up on flights too or something? You said something – what was that part of it?
1: Well, about? I mean all bodies – just like when your feet and your ankles start to swell up. But the, the body just in general, um, when it goes on a plane because of air pressure changes and things like that, it just, it just goes through – a bit of inflammation so to speak and it, you've got to give your body a chance to recover from that right
0: yeah um, i got that pretty bad actually when i came back uh yesterday i was at a five hour time right. zone difference uh um, yeah right okay and yeah. i definitely i definitely haven't been the same yet you know it's only been like no, 24 no, hours
1: it's like you a while, and you know i've done a, i've done a lot a lot of international travel and i it just you just got to be kind to yourself You know, don't, you know over the next day or two don't if you can't pull a 12-hour day, don't. Be nice to yourself. You know, And I think as business leaders or business owners, you, we can be incredibly hard on ourselves if we're not at some level of performance that you, you've pulled that performance idea out of your head. And sometimes yeah. it's just how many hours you going to work in a day. And you've got to be nice to yourself every now and then and say, you know what, hell, I've really been pushing hard. I need to take an hour or two off. And if you go and do some proper recovery or – even if you just go to the gym and sit in the sauna and let your body recover, just do something to be kind to, you, to yourself physically and mentally. And my, my brother-in-law, um, he's a, a really senior um, philosopher and politician in South Africa. He travels a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a wonderful, wonderful human being. And he said the, the cool thing when he travels is he tries to let his spirit catch up to him. But he's been going at such a pace. It he feels like he's not in his own body and he has to sit quietly and meditate and catch up with his own uh, body. It's a wonderful saying and it's one I use a bit is I'm just waiting for my spirit to catch up to me. And that just might mean sitting quietly sometimes yeah. on a on a balcony and watching the sunset or you know, having a beer on a deserted beach. I like that. I love that.
0: I love that. Yeah. That, that really makes you think and I know the listeners yeah. will like that too. Mm. And uh now kinda onto the the more important questions here. How do you drink your coffee?
1: Uh I have um I think you call it Americano there, right? Yes. So two a double espresso with a small amount of water. I mean, in America, the water is far the coffee is way too watered down. In Australia, we like very strong coffee. It uh, it should be like tar. Like, you know.
0: I know you guys love your coffee. I mean, I yeah. <laughs> oh man. Every time I get to interview someone from Australia, I love it because they take this question yeah. very seriously, and
1: uh, we're, we're, we are total coffee snobs down here. Um, and you, you go and you have a very, you know, it has to be espresso. I can't have instant coffee, um, and I'm willing to pay for it. The
0: so, the extra the extra
1: darkness or what? Or the extra the quality, right? I'm willing mm-hmm. to pay for the quality. And uh, yeah, there's this whole. Do you know? Do you know what a barista is? Barista. Yeah. Well, like the. the bar- the person that serves the coffee, yeah, person that makes the coffee, yeah. like that's an art form down here, right? And and people can be employed on their reputation as a coffee maker. Isn't there like
0: uh, didn't like Starbucks fail over there or something? Was some, there was some yeah. big thing about oh, that?
1: It's, it's, there's a few around, but there's no there's no chains. Almost all coffee shops here are independently or small owned. There's a few few chains, but not not many. Hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I live in the even Melbourne, which is a culinary capital of of, of Australia and you know maybe even the southern hemisphere and um we we're, we're very very specific about our food Jenny. I mean, everyone's a coffee snob at least
0: uh my 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 computer was dying on me i uh, okay. had had to make a quick plug so uh but yeah, i mean that that's what i love about these is these episodes are real they're they're uh, we we don't we, yeah. we, we don't want to cut out the good stuff so sometimes <laughs> you know you got to when an episode is good and you keep the content flowing, you want to make sure you get all of it, and uh, you want to make yeah. sure your computer's fully uh, charged up as well. And, <laughs> <laughs> what is the one item you you consume every day? Something you uh, maybe you carry on you, something you drink or eat that you have to because it makes you you. What is that one thing?
1: Uh, I think I'm going back to coffee because I start every very strong coffee um, before because I get up and we work from six to eight in the morning. Uh, is my local coffee shop you'll see me sitting in the window there if i'm not off traveling or working and uh it's my little ritual to go down there have a strong coffee very quickly read read the newspaper and then i normally get about 90 minutes of really solid um good clean creative thinking in that time i operate my best between in the early hours of the day i'm not very good later in the day like mid-afternoon i'm i'm fairly unproductive so i'd Tend to not work too much then. So do you so like, like that? You
0: like, you like that coffee boost you get, and you just
1: kind of pound away. Yeah, I love. It. Yeah, that that would be like my number one ritual. And then I, d- I generally go to gym about four times a week, so that would be another thing that I would do on a lot of days. So awesome, awesome.
0: And yeah. let's just say you had an unlimited amount of money right now, and you could start up any business you want, but it can't be yours. What would it be?
1: Um. Um, I love skiing and I, uh, what I would create if I had unlimited amount of money is a personal drone that was like a mini heli skiing drone. Hmm. So instead of having to get a massive chopper that booms across the mountains, with four, I'd get one drone that picked up one person that you could sort of control yourself and just zip you up into the backcountry and I, I would build that. Oh, that's pretty awesome.
0: I, you know what? Yeah. That sounds like one of those things that it's only a matter of time.
1: Yeah, I think it is. That's, that's why I'm not gonna do it because <laughs> me awesome.
0: off. There, yeah, right? that's one of those things where you got like unlimited amounts of money and you're like, what thing am I gonna make now? Cause I'm bored. Yeah. And that yeah. is awesome. I love it. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, you survived. I survived. My producer did not come out. He uh <laughs> he, he enjoyed the content very well, so he just let it go. <laughs> nice. But uh no, that was some great stuff. Everybody, uh make sure to check out Greg Layton on LinkedIn, uh on Instagram at the Chief Maker. Uh, his his podcast, the Inner Chief. Uh, be sure to check everything out and Chief Maker his book. Uh, most importantly, right there in the background, as you can see it.
1: it was, uh, yes, yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes.
0: Be sure to check it out on his uh, on his website. You know, get a copy, um, Chiefmaker All right, Greg. It's uh, definitely been a been a pleasure. It's been a, it's been a great episode. A lot of content. Yeah. I'll leave you. I'll leave you. I'll leave you the closing. You know, closing thoughts. You know, but it's been a pleasure having you on. And I look forward to kind of keeping up with your journey and, you know, following up as well in about a year or something, you know, as things uh, progress. Mike is yours.
1: My mate. Thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I just, um, I I wish everyone that wants to go and, you know, make the leap, go for it, do a bit, do a bit of research, find out, like get inside the head of your customer and really think about the problem you solve for them. And are you going to solve it with a product or a, or a service and then look at all your competition. Put them all up on the wall and ask yourself, what are they doing? Well, what's not? Well, what's the norm? What's not the norm? And and then just go for it. You know? So either pick your pick your path, entrepreneur or entrepreneur, and go knock it out of the park.
0: Yeah, go for it, right? Why just why just sit there and be lackadaisical about it and just You got yeah. one life, right? One life.
1: That's right. That is all for this episode of
0: Bossed to Boss. Your next step is to visit BossedToBoss.com, where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step. Again, that is BOST, the number two, boss.com. And remember, the time is now.